Uh, good morning, great people. If you are a guest here, thank you so much for making us a part of your Sunday this morning. And we really hope that you have a great time and that this will be a meaningful time for you. Before I get into the word, uh, I want to give you greetings from Pastor Simon, who's in Tswane, uh, suffering for Jesus there. Uh, him and Lindy are ministering in Tswane, so they want to send love to you. Today, we start a brand new series entitled... Holy Spirit. Uh, next week, we're going to pause for a week, uh, for just a Sunday, to have our State of the Church address. This is where we do our kind of local financial, uh, where we are, where we've been, where we are going, and the president, uh, Simon Letterfollow, will be, will be doing that for us. So please be here to hear what God has done and what God is going to do, how we can partner together to do that. Um, some things are better than others. We, we might not agree with the things that are better than other things, but, you know, they, they just are. Oh, let me give you an example. Here's a spiritual truth. Tupac, bigger, better than Biggie. <laughs> huh? You see what I'm saying? Some things, amen, some things are better than others. They just are. Michael Jackson, better than Beyonce. These things are true. There must be a depth of understanding. There's spiritual truths I'm dropping here. Miriam Makemba, better than Hugh Masekela. I don't know. You might not agree with me, but I, it's a spiritual truth. But it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Justin Bieber, better than New Direction? I just want to throw that in there just quickly. Okay. Well... That, that was a lie. I just, wanted to do, I just wanted to shake it up a little bit, just throw one that's a bit more obvious. Um, there's a statement that Jesus makes, and he tensions that which is better than something else. The statement, by far, by far, is the weirdest thing Jesus says. It is weird to the people in his culture. It's even going to be weird to you today. And he says it, speaking to his boys in John 16, verse 7, he says this. He says, it is better for you, it is to your advantage that I go and be with the Father. Because if I don't go and be with the Father, you won't get the advocate. As J.D. Gray says, in essence, what Jesus was saying is this, that the spirit inside you is better than the physical Jesus beside you. Oof. That's tough. That's tough to hear, right? Because all of us believe if Jesus was here, Lord, if I could just see him physically, I, 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 would, I would make disciples. If I could just see him, I would be a better husband, better dad. I just need to see him. And guess what? The, the, the disciples had the similar problem, but it was just slightly different. Here's what they say in John 14, verse 8. Philip is having this moment of revelation. And he says to Jesus, he says, Jesus, listen, we see you. You're cool. You're amazing. Yes, we believe. But just show us the Father. Man, if we just see the Father, Lord, it will be enough. I don't have time to speak about Trinity, but you can see it playing out right here, that for us, God on earth is the Holy Spirit. And just like they took Jesus for granted, we are taking 
God on earth, Holy Spirit for granted. And we just saying to, man, I just, I just want to see the physical Jesus. But here's the reality. Jesus says, the spirit inside of you is better than the physical Jesus beside you. And if we would get this, our lives would be impacted, transformed, and moved forward. Why is this better? I want to spend the next little while discovering that truth with you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. John 14, verses 12 to 19. Um, out of reverence for the word, do you mind standing with me? I'm going to read it for you. Uh, as we read this text, Jesus is speaking, and here's what he says. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I, I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. Here we go, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we cannot understand your word without the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, thank you that the most important person on this earth is present with us today. May you speak to us, guide us, teach us, encourage us. Amen. Thank you so much. I want to look at who the Holy Spirit is and how he relates to us. Very briefly, looking at three Greek words. I'm going to try to be a scholar with you today for the first time. Normally, I just shout. Today, I study. Three Greek words. Very important to understand Holy Spirit and how he relates to us. Parakletos, Numa, and Huos. Parakletos, Numa, and Huos. Look at the first one, Parakletos. Jesus says, John 14, we already read it. Verse 16, he begins to speak to the, the, the disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he says, listen, I need to go so that you might have another helper. That word another can be interpreted two different ways. It's either uh, something else that is different from the original or allo, which means something else that is exactly the same as the original. The word another here literally means something else that is exactly the same as the original. What is the other? If God is going to send another helper, who was the first? It was Jesus. And now we understand that he is sending another who is just like him who will also help us. This word helper is the word parakletos. 
It is a legal word. It is a word we would use for a lawyer or an advocate, someone who comes beside you and makes a call and makes a declaration. The Bible tells us that Jesus is in the heavens, yet the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus has, has helped us by bringing salvation into our lives, and the Holy Spirit helps us by bringing sanctification in our lives. Jesus has helped us by giving us the message of eternal life, whilst the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us the power to live, share, and demonstrate the message of eternal life. But we also understand that Jesus is an advocate in heaven. Now, advocates aren't standing before the judge in court pleading for the judge to give mercy to their people. Advocates have to use the law to make a case. Jesus is not standing before the Father begging him for you. He, he's making a case based on the law. He's saying, Father, the entire law has been fulfilled. Look at my marks. Look at my scars. He cannot be condemned. He's not trying to plead. He's not trying to beg. He's giving the law and saying, here's what the law says. I fulfilled it. This man cannot be condemned. Let him come home. The Holy Spirit is now dwelling with us, and he acts as an advocate by saying, hey, you feeling bad? Let me help you. You don't need to be condemned because look what he has done. Look at what Jesus has done. The law has been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled in him. Now you no longer have to feel condemned. You no longer have to live in the state that you're living in because the law is fulfilled. He's not pleading with you. He's standing as an advocate, making a declaration, making a call, not pleading, declaring based on the law. It is a black and white issue for him. It's not an emotional issue. It is black and white. You can be free of condemnation because he's done it. He fulfilled it. We also know that this word, parakletos, also denotes someone who, who is a counselor, a comforter. Jesus is the great counselor, the mighty counselor, the great comforter. And the reason he's able to be that is that he has gone through all that you have and will ever go through. He knows exactly how you feel right now. He stands before the Father as one who has gone through what you have gone through. And the Holy Spirit comes in our midst, lives with us, and he says, hey, this thing that you're going through, there is someone who has overcome it for you. Therefore, don't worry. You're going to make it out. Oh, you're going to conquer this because he conquered it. Look at him. He did it. He's constantly pointing to Jesus as evidence of, of, of your current state that you're going to get out of this place that you're in because Jesus has done it. He has overcome. This word also means that he is a helper, a helpmate. Same word that is used for a wife, parakletos. Now, some of you uh, who wives, you're like, yeah, I told, I've been laying the law down at home. <laughs> same word that's used for a wife is the same word that's used here. The helpmate, he helps you. He helps you. The reason he can help you is that you have a high priest who stands before the Father, that, that is Jesus. And the Bible says he makes intercession for you in the heavenly places. 
Those prayers are to help you while you're here on the earth. And the Holy Spirit partners as a helpmate to you by, 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 by allowing you to, to appropriate that which Jesus is praying in the heavens. And he gives you by spirit the, the grace to be able to live in the prayers of Jesus before the Father for you. By the way, side note, when we wait on the Lord, we participate not in praying to him, but praying with him. Oh, don't miss that. Sometimes when we wait or when we pray in tongues, it is a praying with God. Saying amen to that which is perfect, coming out of, of a will that, was, that, was, that is without false motives. So, he is advocate, legal. He is comforter, counselor, Holy Spirit. And he's also your helper. The imagery of a helper is like if, if those of you go to gym, like me. Now, if you bench pressing, if you bench pressing, you're right. But you know. Some might bench press 10, 20Ks. Normally, I do maybe about 80, 100. I'm bench pressing, <laughs> right? And you, there's a certain level where your strength fails you because you're not strong enough, so your, your level of strength is at 100. But people who want to grow stronger have to have a helper. He is the spotter. He comes behind you. He's not even trying. He, he just lifts with a finger. What you are trying to hold up with all of your might. The Holy Spirit is the spotter in your life. As a matter of fact, some of you don't feel like you need help in your life because your dreams are too small. Your, 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 your goal is too, is, too, is too meager for the presence of God. Somehow the world has, has made you believe that you need to you need to dream in the same level as your culture. You are kingdom people. We dream dreams that are impossible for the natural eye. So here's what happens. There's a certain place of strength where you bench press, but the Holy Spirit comes and he adds another hundred this side, another hundred this side, and says, let's go. Oh, no, but I can't do it. I know. I'm just waiting for you to say you can't. Because this is where I specialize. Let's go. And you begin to press, and the Spirit, without even an effort, allows you to do what you could not do by yourself. Lifts it up so that you might be able to live in greater purpose in your life. Listen, I want to, listen, it should be, whenever you come to this place, there, there's a bench pressing that takes place as we get into the Word. That when you go into the world you, and you grab a hold of that which God has placed in your heart as a dream, you, you, you're pressing far greater than anyone else in your workplace. You're pressing it. It's not just about being an administrator. It's about being a kingdom person. You're a kingdom person. So he bench press. He comes. He helps you as a paraclete. Helps you lift. We need him in our lives, and sometimes we, we grieve him, as Ephesians 4 tells us, because when he tries to help us, we reject him. Ephesians 4 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. By the way, 
Sometimes the Holy Spirit will just help you to keep quiet. There's some things that you, you, you believe. Let me say it like this. Just because you feel it doesn't make it true. There's some things that you feel that you need to say that you should keep quiet about. Have nothing good to say. Keep quiet. Go pray until you find something good. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Give an example here. Grieving the Spirit is like, is like being married, and God forbid, you go find a bay. Now, those who, know, who don't know a bay, it's someone who's not your wife, but you're... <laughs> Not your wife and not your you go find a bear, you bring them home with the intention of sleeping with them so that you might cheat on your wife. But you are so convicted that you take all the pictures of your spouse and you hide them. Why? You want to dull your conscience so that you might do what you want to do. That's called grieving the spirit. That there's things that we do that we, we know he's, he's with us. We can hear him speaking to us, guiding us, but we, we dull our conscience. We take his picture and we fold it, put it in the cupboard so that we might interact with what we want to do. Oh, no, you need to keep the pictures up in every single... In fact, you need more pictures. You, you should... Just everywhere. Everywhere. You... The cover of your bed must be a picture of your spouse. Just everywhere. It's what the Holy Spirit is like. You, you, the whole house is consumed with the reality of the one who loves you, the one who cares for you, the one who pursues you. And a historian once said that the Holy Spirit is the hound of heaven. He chases you down, pursuing you with love, wanting to, to fill you with all that he is. You have so much capacity for the Spirit. There's a scripture, I don't have time to go into it, where Jesus cast out a demon and that which was in the man filled over a thousand pigs. Do you know the capacity you have in you? The capacity you have for the Spirit to dwell in your life. I don't have time. I don't have time. Parakletos, the one who comes alongside to help if you want his help, you need to admit that you need help. Here's a quote from the book of Hesitations. God only helps those who help themselves. That is not in the Bible. That's from the book of Hesitations, which did not make it to the holy canon. Let me tell you what's wrong with that statement. It, it, it implies that you have to earn his help. Oh, no, no, no. Grace is different. And some of you are worried going, oh, but aren't we, aren't we advocating that people are lazy? No. The one who's lazy and asks for help, the Holy Spirit will tell him to go and work. You can't fool him. He's God. He's, he's the man. You can't fool him. Paracletos, the one who comes alongside, the legal advocate, he helps us. He consoles us. He comforts us. That's who he is. Second point is the word pneuma. The word pneuma. <clears throat> now, this word is found in John 14 verse 17 speaking about 
the spirit of truth, the pneuma of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. The only way to actually appreciate and understand this word, pneuma, is if we go all the way to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we know the scripture very well, says this from verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. Can you do me a favor? Can everybody say, let there be light? light. How does it feel like to be God? feels good. But let me help you understand what actually happened. If you wouldn't mind, can you take your hand and put it about two centimeters from your mouth? Imagine that your hand is the earth. Imagine that your hand is the world. Everybody say, let there be light. That word, spirit, is a Hebrew word, ruach. Did you feel that breath on your hand? That's the ruach of God. I'm hoping you're going to get what I'm about to say because this is it right now. <laughs> this is it right now. <laughs> when God spoke, his breath changed everything. Yeah. Hear me for a moment. Just wait there. Let there be light. That, that, that feeling you got on your hand, that was the ruach of God being released On the earth. And when it was released on the earth, when it was released on that which that was dark, chaotic, it brought life, it created order, and released beauty into the world. That is the spirit that now is inside of you. Are you understanding that when God speaks, there is is a breath. That's literally the word for ruach. There is a breath, there is a wind that begins to do what the word said. This is why you can't just speak as ordinary people. There must be something in you when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like going to work that allows you to look in the mirror and say, today, I'm changing the world. Today, I'm doing it. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it, but I have to allow the, the ruach to get out. It's the same word used when Jesus takes dust takes the soil, and the Bible says he, he ruached it. He breathed life, and he, he ruached into the soil, and order was made. Beauty was formed. Life came in. Here's a side note. The reason why each and every person throughout the world one day has to account is because we are all living on borrowed ruach. Right now. The ruach you have, you, it's borrowed to you. It's not your own. You have to account, Lord, this is what I did with your ruach. I rejected you with the ruach you gave me. All right, son. Go to your decision. Lord, with with your ruach, I honored you. I, I, I loved you. I gave everything to you. All right, son. Go to your decision. He ruached into you. In the New Testament, Jesus does this exact same thing. He walks through a door and he finds stimmer or puts it in his mouth. And the Bible says he breathed onto them. 
Now, ministry team guys, don't, come on now. Don't breathe onto people. In fact, they used to breathe, and then the Bible said, no, 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 enough. Just lay hands on people now. <laughs> Those of you who didn't understand how that came about. The Bible says, Jesus came into the room, saw his disciples, and he breathed on them. He numered them. Same word. He numered them. And when he numered them, they received the Holy Ghost. They received the Holy Spirit. They received that which creates life, brings order, releases beauty into your life. The Spirit of God is hovering over every part of your life. The only thing missing is the declaration and the belief of his word. If you don't want to quench the spirit, if you want the spirit to work in your life, you got to read and speak this word. My son, man's man, boy's boy, five years old, all he wants to do is run. One time I, I saw him praying next to my wife. He was standing by me. He was just praying. Oh, Lord. I said, son, what are you doing? He said, daddy, I'm praying. I said, what are you praying for? He said, daddy, I just want to run. I just want to run. I said, okay, boy, you can run. So, so when I speak to him, I said, hey, champion, right? He, you might not get it, but he does. Because there's, there's something in the pneuma that happens in his soul that it begins to speak and create and develop and, and mold things inside of him because of the pneuma, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, the pneuma of truth, the breath, the wind of truth has been released into your life. That word truth is literally translated reality. That literally what the Holy Spirit does, he's like a floodlight that reveals the reality that you can't see. When you read the word, he, 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 he turns on the lights as he is the light himself. He, he releases the light so that you might go, oh, that's Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the aha of heaven. He is the one that allows you to go, oh, my word, I didn't realize. That's who Jesus is. Oh, I see it now. He, he, he releases light so that you might be able to go, oh, I see the reality of who Jesus is. And what you see changes you. When you worship and he begins to unravel who Christ is, that which you see is that thing that the Bible says takes you from glory to glory. And he reveals things about God the Father. Why? Because the Bible says the Spirit of God knows all the, the thoughts, all the mind of God the Father. So he reveals it to you so that you might know him. The best example I can give you here is in the Old Testament. Brother man, by the, by the name of Elijah, he's standing with his servant, and there is an army coming to take them out. The servant is panicking, panicking. And it's, it's just him and Elijah. He's panicking, and while he's panicking, he pauses, looks at Elisha, and Elisha is smiling. Servant is thinking, yo, what? Elisha says, oh, oh, no, no, there's, there's an army. You can't see it. I just saw reality. There's an army far greater than this one, filled with the armies of heaven. They're right behind these cats. I saw them. It says in that moment, all of a sudden, the spirit of God unravels reality to the servant. And he sees it. 
Let me take a sidetrack. Those of you who are in your 50s, 60s, 70s, I say this every year. You have a responsibility to allow a new generation who is scared at the armies that are coming. But you've seen further than me. You've been around longer than me. You've seen stuff. You, you have to go, oh, no, no, I, I see they're coming. Don't worry. I see something greater. There's a reality beyond the armies of this world. There's an army of heaven that is far beyond this. You don't have to be afraid that that reality of faith that you impart to the next generation creates a different kind of people who are joyful, who are courageous, who are ready to take on the, the battles of this world. Because you have seen, I don't have time to speak about how leadership is more about what you see than what you do. That your leadership, how you lead is based on what you see. What are you seeing that's directly affecting your current situation? The Holy Spirit allows every single believer to see beyond. That somehow he unravels through the floodlights. Oh my this is what Christ is like. Oh, this is what the word is saying. And it creates in us a boldness. But for you to appropriate that in your life, you need to read this word every day. You need to get in this word. You need to declare this word over your life and over your situations. The pneuma of God. John 6 verse 36 verse 63 says this, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit of Numa and life, Zoe life. When you read these words, they bring life, they bring order, they release beauty into your life. Last point. <coughs> Third word is the word huos. Huos. Romans 8 Verse 14 to 16 says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The word children there is the word huos. Now, in the Bible, there's other words that speak of children before God. The, the first level will be napios. That's where we get the word nappy from. That's like, yo, you just coming in, you, you, you drinking milk, right? The, the second word would be technon. That's like borderline teenager, mohawk, ah. right? But this word, huos, means the mature son who embodies the nature of his father. That's what this word means. Here's what it's saying. It's saying when, the, when Numa comes into your life, you become one who embodies the nature of the father. You become one who has the legal right to the father's inheritance. You see, if your goal in life is to be a good person who does good things, you don't need the spirit. But if your goal is to become the son of God who does kingdom things, you need the spirit. The spirit doesn't come inside of your life so that you might be good. There are many good people who are not sons. Many good people who are not sons. The spirit comes into your life. The pneuma, the breath, the wind of God comes into your life to make you sons, to, to 
bring into your life the full nature of your father that you might be about the kingdom. You might be about the kingdom. Back in Romans 8, it tells us that there is a, there is a spirit of slavery that has grabbed people. And we understand that fear has a root, and that root is slavery. That there's some place in your life where you feel enslaved, and as a result, you fear. You feel enslaved to the opinions of people, therefore you fear people. But it says, hey, guess what? You don't have to be enslaved to slavery anymore. Now, I've released upon you the spirit of adoption, which allows you to cry, ever, Father. Changes who you are, changes your identity. When the spirit comes into your life, you become a son. You become a daughter of God. End of the story. And now, before I end of the story, John 14, verse 18, this is very important. Jesus says this right at this end of the end as he's speaking to his disciples. He says, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you realize that he has come to you? By, he, by the spirit of God. By, by the God who dwells now here on the earth, the most important person in the earth today. He has come so that you might not be orphans and takes your life and gives you the nature of the Father. Uh, in 2000, uh, the Soviet Union decided that they're going to release people from the prison camps. They were kind of cleaning out. <laughs> and in one of the uh, prisons, there was a guy by the name of Andrei Stamas. He was a Hungarian guy. He was imprisoned when he was 20 years old as a political, as a political prisoner. And 55 years later, 75, now they are releasing people and cleaning out the prisons. Most of that time he spent in solitary, and it was a terrible time for him. The Soviet guys decide, hey, this guy is way too crazy. He was wilding out. They said, oh, he keeps speaking this weird language, and he's acting weird. You know what? Instead of just finding a plan for him, let's just execute him. So they had every plan. They're going to execute him. And then his friends, uh, Andre's friends, they begged. They said, no, 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 please don't do it. Rather get someone to come and hear him out. Get a psychiatrist to come in here and see what's happening. And so they did. They, they allowed a psychiatrist to come. And it was a Hungarian-speaking uh, psychiatrist. They came in. They heard him out. They said, no, no, no. There's nothing wrong with this person. He's just speaking an old Hungarian uh, dialect that many people don't understand. But man, if there's anything that has messed him up is the conditions that you guys have put him through. For 55 years. And they said, Look, don't kill him. Give him to us. We'll take care of him. We'll heal him up. So they did. And they put him in a wheelchair, 75 years old, and they, they, wheel, they wheel him out of the prison. While they're wheeling him out of the prison, Andre looks to the person wheeling him out and he says, hey, I, I want something. The first thing that he asks for is, I need a mirror. He hasn't seen himself. 55 years. He doesn't know what he looks like. They go, they will find a mirror for him. They give him a mirror. He, he looks at it. They say he looked at it for about 10, 15 seconds. And after a while, he just wept uncontrollably. He started crying. Couldn't recognize who this person is. Couldn't recognize who that person is. That's what sin does in your life. 
and you come out of that place and you realize for a moment, oh my word, this is how I've lived. This is who I am. I, I, I haven't been able, because of sin, I haven't been able to see the reality of who I am. And now that I see, I'm, I, I'm unrecognizable. I can't recognize myself. But when Numa comes, when you come out of that prison and Numa is present, the mirror you get says, child of God. And, and what you would have looked at and cried in tears, not being able to recognize yourself, now you cry in tears. Because somehow in God's mercy, he actually did what he said he would do. He actually kept his word. And he's made you a child of God in the mirror you see. He is even more beautiful than what you would have thought it would be like. This is who you are, the Bible says. You're a child of God. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. Live in it. Believe that you are. Look at the world through those lenses. Be the son and daughter that God has called you to be. What have I said? Very simply. It is better that I leave so that the paracletos would come to help you in all things. So that the numa would feel, the ruach that was there from the beginning would fill your life again. And in so doing, you would live as huos before the world, filled with joy, confidence, the, the ability and the expectation that impossible things do not belong in your dictionary. That's who you are. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. Lord, thank you that your spirit called us, chases us down, pours out the love of the Father so that we might experience him but also helps us to know how we can love the Father. So Lord, I thank you for that. If you're here today and you have never crossed the line or, or you haven't crossed the line of faith from having no faith in Jesus to actually having faith in Him. If you have never made that decision to give your life to Him completely anew afresh, we want to pray for you today. Some of you made that decision times past, but now you're saying, man, I've, I've walked away, I've, I've stepped off the track of being with Jesus, but I want to get back on track, I want to live for him, I want to follow him, if you fit into any of those two categories, we want to pray for you, to help you as you follow Jesus, anyone here, if that's you, would you be bold enough to just lift up your hand, so we can pray with you, see the hands that you see, wow. anyone else who's bold enough right now to say, yes, that's me. I want to receive prayer. I want to be helped. I want to follow him with all my heart. Can we all stand as a church together? It's few people who raise their hands. If you raised your hand, would you be bold enough just to come to the front? We want to give you some stuff. We want to pray for you as well. Make sure that you start this journey off with God well. Can we give them a hand as they come down? Yeah. Come on.
Let's pray together. If you could pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, today I declare that you are the Lord over my life. I declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And today, I am saved. I am set free to be a son of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.